What's the first question? Give me the first question right off the top. We don't it's have a plan. It's not an interview. Look, look, it's not. We don't have a plan, and it's also this not isn't an, an interview. It's not an interview. We'll be part of partially an interview. <laughs> I'm not being interviewed, right? I thought I was. I thought this was prestigious. A prestigious podcast here. No, Coffeezilla in the I cup. Hope, I hope you guys have your coffee ready. Wow. On this episode of Gush, as you might have seen on Netflix. Mr. Coffeezilla himself, and I think he needs no other introduction beyond that. No, uh, I'll, I'll just make a brief one anyways, because some people might not know who you are, surprisingly. Even though you're all over Netflix, you're on the home screen, you're on the <laughs> autoplay, I can't really even not see you there. But you sometimes spend your free time with us plebeians here on YouTube uh, with two different channels. Got a media empire going on here. Uh, most people might know you. Well, actually, at this point, Coffeezilla is actually larger than Coffee Break, which was, of course, your original video essay, sort of, I would even say it was, like, um, comparable, like, in maybe you shared viewers with Vsauce, possibly, um, that kind of thing, where it's, like, a lot of effort, good videos on relevant, uh, often scientific topics, but now you've shifted more towards really calling out what is an epidemic, and I'm not talking about you know, COVID, I'm talking about these scammers, these fake gurus, these master manipulators, these smooth tongue snake oil salesmen who seem to be flooding the internet, whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, I mean, they have their own ecosystems of scammery going on there. Like on Facebook, it's all, it's a different ball game. You know, it's like they're on the fucking next level. YouTube has its own kind of stuff. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I don't even know where to start because you've, you've, okay. Like Ty Lopez is one that we've all heard about because he used to have those ads where he would just start off on every YouTube fucking video. That's a word. YouTube fucking here in video. My garage. Exactly. Here, here in my garage guys. And the Lambos were behind him and that was, and the, but the more valuable than the Lambos was the bookcase with knowledge. And if um, you only go to my website and sign up $67 a month, I will give you this knowledge. Right. Six, seven steps to, to wealth, health, and happiness, baby. That's what it's yeah. all about. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Thanks for being here, man. I'm happy to have you. I think that so intro was good. worth the wait. Dude, Honestly. yeah, it was... It, it, all right, guys, let's cut it. That's the good show. <laughs> We're right. just gonna... That was Gus. That'll be your channel trailer. <laughs> That's your channel trailer. That's my... Let's just loop to, yeah, your channel trailer for, like... Let's cut an it hour? out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just an hour yeah. of that on loop. And sure, done. yeah. No, yeah, but no, like, I, I had a uh, video. You change your style a lot, yeah. Huge change up. I mean, dude, I was tired of making, you could only get one video done in a month. And then YouTube hates when you only get one video done. Uh, but that style demands it. YouTube really hates quality. They, uh, they despise it and they want to incentivize kind of... Uh, high frequency content yeah and it's kind of the unfortunate reality i think any large uh quality creator will will recognize this youtube really has given up on reputation and instead they've gone towards like faster quicker content and what you might consider like momentum on a channel it's sad that's that's not really the only reason i did it i just kind of thought it was an interesting (laughs) phenomenon especially when covid hit i was like well let me definitely double down on this because it's such a problem. Scammers were running amok because people, everyone 
was searching how to make money online from home. And that's was like one of the biggest ways to fall into this whole thing is you see people online telling you you're going to get rich quick, uh, you know, doing these ridiculous sending text messages, whatever, like, and you pay $2,000 to learn it. So yeah, that was the shift, but yeah, in a larger way, I mean, I know we'll probably talk about YouTube in general, but, um, yeah, I've seen so many creators just say like their channels where they're uploading once a month, they're just getting crushed. And I saw that too. I mean, yeah, definitely. But I think, um, even more interesting than that to me is kind of like your place on YouTube really. Um, maybe you don't see it this way, but you talked about it in, um, I'm sure you talked about it in a few videos, but the one that I saw where you mentioned it was in the Doge tubers video where you basically said, <clears throat> you know, I'm not here to shut these people down, even if they're running a scam, <clears throat> uh, or even if they're lying and trying to manipulate viewers, but I'm at least going to call it out for you guys and you can make your own decisions, but there should mm-hmm. at least be some you know the truth here the facts of the matter so you can be equipped with the knowledge you need and i thought that was a really interesting um point to make because effectively your channel this is something i was thinking about like there is a lot of misinformation out there there is a lot of dangerous harmful misleading manipulative uh you know whether it's it's for profits or it's just some it's a part of some larger crazy you know, reason to, to put out misinformation, that is a thing. And that's the one thing that tech companies get right when they, when they're saying that, that is true. Like it's not, that's undeniable. There's so much bad information, but unfortunately I think, and maybe we'll talk about this too later, their response is to censor that rather than, I think your response is something that I prefer, which is you're not so much censoring, but you are putting out the good information. And in an ideal system, the good information should rise to the top. And, and, and good, I mean true. I mean, what is closer Correct to the truth? Yeah. What is the more cross-reference? What is the, what is the more, you know, whatever. Just you, could, you can measure these things, I think. Or at least, even if a system can't measure these things, people can. Which is what I trust in a way over, which is why I'm not for censorship, because it's like, I think if YouTube is operating as it should, channels like yours will have a large audience. The videos will be associated possibly even with, you know, the videos that people you're calling out. Yeah. Um, and I see it as like playing this game of balancing information, just like you have a balanced diet. You know, it's like the same thing with your information media diet. That's what they say. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that I've tried to do and that I really think a lot of people miss is that misinformation is often really entertaining. Like nothing gets me out of bed like an Alex Jones broadcast. I mean, <laughs> I will show up for that. It's, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. And if you want to call out, uh, my thing is not political stuff, so I, I just kind of laugh at Alex Jones, but my thing is the scammer stuff. But if you want to you know, deal with people, what people get wrong is they stick purely to okay, am I technically correct? Well, you might be technically correct, but you also have to make it entertaining. And so one thing I try to do is make my show as entertaining as possible and as funny as possible because I'm like, that is going to get it the exposure it really needs. I think the mistake people make is they go, the disinformation gets so much more exposure than the you know correcting information. And it's because you scold them. Like you scold them like an old parent. Like you're like, well, technically this is wrong. And if I cross-reference it with the CDC, it's like people are glazing over. 
instead, I try to focus on how ridiculous these characters are, um, the crazy promises they're making, the kind of larger-than-life, like, absurdity that they represent. And that's where, I mean, I've kind of... Uh, my like my lane is i guess if you'd say but yeah the the misinformation problem's huge but i think people could get along go a long way by realizing that maybe it's not that disinformation is inherently more viral as it's maybe more entertaining than what you're putting out and yeah. you need to work on it it's like i kind of agree with what you're saying cuz i feel it's um it's like the system could be played better you know like we the system that we're saying is filtering out all the good information and supposedly spreading more so misinformation. Like if the, the incorrect information was, if you're gaming the system, you're making good YouTube content where you're putting out the correct information, like what you're doing, then it does rise to the top. People do see it. Like you've pretty quickly gained uh, a bit, a big following on that channel. I'd say people like hearing that. That's the thing. People like hearing the truth. In mm -hmm. other words, well, yeah, and they also like seeing people who are lying caught out. There's there's a visceral sense of like schadenfreude and justice yeah. mm -hmm. when you see somebody just kind of get secondhand enjoyment. Kind they're of lying, they're hypocrites, or something. I mean, there's something really primal about that where you just like you're like, oh, I freaking love this. And right. so, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think the answer is just like let's go in and you know swipe the hammer on people. Number one, because nobody trusts these companies and number two is because uh nobody really agrees on anything and so if you swipe the hammer you're gonna be siding with somebody absolutely true yeah um do you do you value would you say that you value the truth more than money <clears throat> yeah 100 percent. okay i don't think <laughs> I don't think most YouTubers do that, to be honest with you. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't do what I did if I didn't. Like, there was a point where I realized, oh, I could sort of keep doing what I'm doing, or I could just put into practice everything I'm watching, and I could make yeah. millions. I like right. thought thought about it. I was, I was like, I could pay, probably make like several million in two years. <clears throat> like, you first year is launching and then scaling, because I just understood the scam eventually super well. But mm -hmm. I can't justify to myself doing that. I mean, I feel like everyone to some extent. You'd hate yourself. They, it, well, everyone has has to have that line, or most people have that line. Why yeah. I hesitated initially is because it's not one or the other. It's like truth or money. It's mm. like you can you can do both, and everyone needs to make a living. But I see it as you have to put your your character first, and then morals find a way to find a way to make money within that within like the you know society structure or whatever. Yeah, totally agree. Because, I think the okay, reason we're all this, here is because we all agree on that in a way. Because we come back to YouTube and so many YouTubers, especially when they start out, they like they want to be pure to the art, right? And it's right. like, I'm only going to make videos that I'm interested in, not that the audience is interested in. And so it's like a pure form of, I only stick with what's true to me. And I think that's fine, but most people won't find success with that. And they think, well, then I have to sell out. And it's like, mm. okay, there's a balance between... Mm -hmm. making, you know, the most sell-out-y videos where you're, like, I don't know, doing TikTok dances or something like that and actually also making the best form of what you want to make. Most people have to find some balance in between that, I find. Yeah, I yeah, mean, your, even your channel, like, you are, 
you're playing a character in a way. It's not a character that's super divorced from reality or from who you are, but it's like you're playing to an audience, right? As any YouTuber yep. does. Sure. Um, but at the same time, you're not being disingenuine with what you're saying. You're not being disingenuine with the purpose of the video. You know, like, you know, there is obviously a purpose for making like there's a content purpose to the video, but it's also something that genuinely should be talked about that genuinely can help people if they have that information. Right. So it's um, I know what you mean. Like there is definitely that it's a spectrum right of selling out versus staying true to yourself and i just yeah like i think you have a great balance of that um yeah you need to do to something achieve. you're proud of where like you don't hate yourself and you can do well with it like but um you definitely don't want to try to go purely ju like just off of your own like whims i mean i did that at first i'm a piano player like i initially was playing oh, piano on nice. youtube i was trying to make piano videos straight piano videos I made a hundred videos and got like a hundred subscribers wow. or something like that. Like I like, like just nothing. you playing piano. Yeah. No words. I was afraid to talk to the camera. Okay. Mm. By the way, super wow. shy back then. So How I was like, was uh, 2013. Okay. How old were you at the time? 20, 2014. Probably I was in college. Um, and I think I started sophomore year. I, it kind of gets a little fuzzy, but, um, anyways, yeah, I, I made all these videos and I had, came to the conclusion three years later, three years late, that everybody, nobody really wanted to watch it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of hard <laughs> for my ego. But I was right. like, cool. What do people want to watch that I also enjoy making? And so I pivoted to Coffee Break. And then at one point I sort of got tired of Coffee Break and I was sort of burnt out on it. And I got disillusioned with the education like genre as a whole. And I was like, mm -hmm. what? else could I do? And so I pivoted over to this, which is sort of like edutainment or something like that on scammers. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good balance of entertainment and, um, information. And like, as someone who's not even, well, I mean, you learn stuff too. That's That's like very important that I don't think most people know. Cause I was listening to the, you had this hour and a half interview, um, with the gentleman who wrote a book about, MLMs, multi-level marketing. And this interview was so uh, eye-opening from a lot of different perspectives, from an economic perspective, from a politics perspective. Um, and you kind of did an excellent job, I think, of guiding that information. And he was, he was also a great speaker too. But I mean, when, when you guys were talking about just the depths at which there's corruption with multi-level marketing schemes, like they should be regulated by the government, but they're not because... They just don't have any of the political power because all the lobbyist groups are basically funded by multi-level marketing schemes. Um, and the victims of these schemes don't have any actual political sway whatsoever. So the laws that should be in place against them are not. And they're, you know, quite frankly, ruining. I think at this point, it's safe to say that they're a contributing factor to like just I don't know. I, I want to say ruining the economy or like messing with market manipulation, maybe, you know, so, something to that. Yeah, they're pretty bad. I mean, they're worse in other countries, too. I'm, I was talking to somebody from the Philippines yesterday and they said they're so bad here. They're like some of the biggest industry. They're one of the biggest industries in all of the Philippines. And people are just constantly getting destroyed. And we try to talk out about them. But the libel laws are that if you speak out, you could land in 12 years of jail. And wow. like the laws have been set up that way. So you can't really call anybody out. 
But MLMs are bad here too. And to speak to your point about politics, let's be a little specific with what we mean here so people get an idea. So um, all the way back early on when the FTC first started prosecuting MLMs, MLMs quickly realized, people like Amway, Herbalife, they realized they need lobbying groups to get political sway because the numbers really aren't on their side. 99% of people do lose money with these companies. And so they managed to get sway with Bill Clinton. I mean, I'll just skip all like the small FTC people. No one will know. But Bill yeah. Clinton, George W. Bush, and then you've also got Donald Trump. I mean, just across the board, they've been winning over politicians over and over and over left and right. They got Madeleine Albright for Herbalife, uh, and they just consistently win over these political parties to where when they get in power, you're screwed. To the point that Betsy DeVos was our Secretary of Education. DeVos is the people who started Amway, Richard wow. DeVos. Yeah, so, I mean, was, like, when I M heard that, that was crazy. I was like, MLM no goes <laughs> deep in our yeah. politics and our in, in our country to where yeah, it is a little disheartening because I feel like at this point, everybody knows MLMs are scams, but still they're legal. And it's like, how can yeah. a scam be legal? Mm -hmm. Well, that's something I've had to kind of grapple with is that some of the stuff I talk about isn't technically illegal, but it's definitely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It should be illegal. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's that's kind of a, you know, maybe I'm extrap maybe I'm extrapolating a little far, but I'll say that to me, that kind of serves as an analogy for a lot of economic forces nowadays uh, or market forces nowadays. I think a lot of people are sort of disillusioned and view a lot of things as a scam. Like, for example, you had this other video where you're kind of responding to this guy. It was like another guru or self-help type guy saying, like, you know, nine to fives are a scam. College is a scam, um, which, you know, is obviously very like bombastic and uh, exaggeratory and like technically yeah. very wrong as you pointed out like oh it's a scam to agree to work for someone yeah, <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. they pay you what a scam like okay that's the actual opposite of a scam obviously but like the point is that people are disillusioned with like just i guess the i don't know what you'd even call that like just the, the opportunities the system yeah no, people like, feel disenfranchised. disenfranchised they feel like their yeah. their opportunities are not the same as their parents and are worse and their I economic abilities worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and it is a big problem. Um, yeah. You know, like college debt that people get in, they feel like that's a big problem. And then also the number of college graduates are getting out. Sometimes there's not enough jobs for all those people. And it's like, yeah. you have to go find a job and something that you didn't plan to get a job in. People can feel like that. Oh, it is a scam. Of course, when you look at the numbers, I mean, like one of the single greatest indicators for economic mobility is a college education. So is high school, by the way. Graduating high school is one of the number one. And then also college is one of the number one indicators as well. Just education. Because of course, right? But when, when a guy dressed up in a suit next to a, like a nice car tells you that it's not and that you don't need college, well, that's a really attractive offer. When you're already hearing about the climbing debt, when you're already hearing about, you know, all the people who are suffering from unemployment, even though they got into college. And so you think to yourself, oh, maybe, maybe I can just follow this guy, right? Oh, how, how much does this course cost? Oh, $5,000. I'll just do that instead. Right. See, this is interesting to me, though, because I'm really curious as to how you would react to the message and the kind of breakdown in this video I'm working on. Because as of now, at least, it's not completely done, but it's 
pretty critical of the education system. And it's pretty, um, I would say, I'm not really pushing people in the direction of saying drop out of college, um, but I am kind of questioning the value of degrees, um, which I think is a mainstream opinion anyways. Yeah. yeah, like most people, like what you just said is actually a point I bring up how the job market is directly related to how valuable um, higher education degrees are, right? So if there's not job opportunities, then you might have spent, you might actually be smart and spend all that time in school and learned a bunch or whatever. But I mean, if you can't put that to use, then what good is it, right? Um, and I think there's certainly a trimming of the fat happening when it comes to which degrees are genuinely worth your time and money and which ones are not like and maybe this is a bold claim but my opinion is if you want to be anything creative if you want to be a filmmaker unless you're going to uh like a filmmaking school where you're going to meet a bunch of industry people um which is a thing like there's definitely places like chapman or something then uh, it's not worth your time or money to go to film school uh, or to get a film degree, you should just make good films, learn how to do it. There's infinite ways to learn online. Uh, the best learning is experience. If you can get a small time job with like a small production crew somewhere, whatever, that would just be good for the experience. Even if you make no money, like these are all better investments of your time than going to college for that creative endeavor. So I, my opinion is like for creative endeavors, it's not worth, it's definitely not worth it. I don't know if you guys agree, but I would go even yeah. beyond that, but yeah. I would say you're you're definitely right that a lot of degrees are sort of useless. I I kind of question sometimes like whether our generation hasn't totally discounted the usual method of like working your way through uh yeah. through like a creative field by sort of the gatekeeping method because that's sort of what film school represents, right? Is mm. like you're getting into film through the gatekeeping method of like, I went to this prestigious yeah. film school and then I went and I studied under this guy people. and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and whereas we're kind of saying like, and I share this opinion a lot because this is sort of how I got into YouTube is, Hey man, buy a camera and then just start. Uh, exactly, so yeah. I, I definitely <clears throat> share a lot of what you say. That's sort of the Casey Neistat thing too, is the filmmaking has been totally democratized, but I'm also very limited that I'm ta only talking to people who are on YouTube, right? Which is a medium. Well, where else which are they? If they're not on YouTube, though, where are they? That's the thing. They're, they're making films. Well, they're on Netflix. They're yeah. on Hulu. They're making TV. <clears throat> okay, but I would say I would say very small percentage of those filmmakers are going to have Netflix, you know, level productions make it there. Whereas, like in other words, here, here's here's what I'm trying to say. YouTube might have a smaller ceiling in a way in terms of because you're not working directly with the industry. You are disconnected. You are a guy with a camera in his room ultimately, right? So it's going to have a lower ceiling in many ways. But I think that like the barrier to entry is so much lower with YouTube where yeah, even someone 100%. who's mediocre sure, yeah. can get a, lar a pretty decently sized audience. But what you're saying about like school, I feel like this doesn't just apply to creative endeavors. I, cause I actually agree with what you're saying, uh, Greg. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, like another, I, I think that there's this whole problem that I at least saw with my generation, which was that like a lot of people went to university cause they're supposed to, and like, they didn't actually do it to go into something specific that there was going to lead to a career they wanted. They just went to university. It's like, that's what you're supposed to do. And then they would either struggle in school or they would just 
finish and not have anywhere to go because they graduated with something that wasn't really that useful or whatever. And I feel like, and that in combination with like how expensive and corrupt the education system has gotten, I feel like, like I understand why people say stuff like, oh, education's a scam. It's not a scam, but like a little bit of it is, you know what I mean? Like they're scamming you a little bit, like they're making you pay way too much and they're making you feel like you have to go when there should be more emphasis and understanding on like various other paths you maybe you want to go to trade school or something that's i consider that different than going to university or whatever you know it's a different type of path yeah so you, do you know what i mean i feel like that it's there's... not a scam but it is a uh poor investment of your time which is more valuable than money um especially in your younger years so not in every case by the way again like it's when it when it whatever that threshold is again for me it's like i would say it's almost like 90% of the time going to be that for anything creative. But beyond that, even there might be instances, but like, it's still, you're still learning. It's not like you're not learning anything, but it's just, is, is there a better investment for your time? That's how I view it. But I think it's just, I mean, I think it totally depends. I don't think there's a binary answer in terms of either like the, what degree it is or the people who go, because think about this. A lot of the people you're talking about slush, and uh, they're people who showed up to college just sort of expecting to be handed a job. And they sort of coasted through college. They had no plan. They sort of kind of picked a degree out of a hat. And they had no, like, ambition of, right. you know, this is, the, this is the job I want. And so yeah. to some extent, I feel like college is one of those things where you get out of it what you put in. Um, Absolutely. And so some, some people leave college and they have, like, a great network. And they have, you know, they know, they know important people and they've sort of used it wisely and then they can go do great i was not one of those people by the way i got my engineering degree basically by doing the bare minimum um graduated with something like a 3.0 or something like that like just enough to where i wouldn't get too many looks and then i i ended up doing something else but even with even with that where i didn't like go very intentionally i still thought that specifically engineering and maybe this is true of stem in general is they teach you how to think in a way that um, you really good later. Like I attribute a lot of my productivity to doing engineering because it teaches right. you a lot of first. I do print. think it that the you- area of engineering is is one of those for sure. But that's obviously not true of any field or any direction you can go into, right? Like yeah, you can go to like the humanities and like who knows what that teaches you. But um, yeah. but. Yeah, like with engineering, I feel like it teaches you first principle thinking. It teaches you sort of scientific thinking. And I think that's really valuable for living a a broad life, so to speak. I mean, you might think of it as like a renaissance life. I think people are obsessed with, well, the utility of work is just knowing one skill. So why even bother learning general knowledge when I can just learn one skill? This is why people say like, just teach me about money, man. Just teach me about Hmm. money. Why am I learning about you know, Shakespeare. Why am I learning right. about history? I just want to know the specific skill. And the problem is like, great, that specific school skill is really cool until a j- robot does it. And then you yeah. got to find something else right. to do. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, you got to, you better figure something out quick. And so the real uniqueness of human knowledge, at least unique right now, is uh, the general intelligence, right? And so it's like training that general intelligence is non-trivial and useful, I would say. that I That's my, it's my short pitch, but... I don't think that, you know, college you know, is the only place you, you get but it. I, I agree with you, but I think we might disagree on what, well, we don't disagree, but I think we have different perspectives because, and I agree with the principle of what you just said, but to me, yeah. it's more like 
um, the future of, of careers and really of humans is creative thinking. Whereas you're saying it's like general knowledge slash scientific, which I mean, obviously you need some of that too, but I think like the greater truth in that is that you need creative thinking ultimately to adapt to anything. Uh, and especially to the changing world with automation and all that, um, creative skills are the most, uh, valuable really. I mean, that's, that's probably a jewel, you know, it's not just creative thinking. It's not just general knowledge. It's like a bunch of things that make up, you know, the the best way. But I think, I think creative thinking is the most irreplaceable. That could be true. But how do you train that? Well, okay. You you facilitate it. I would say you facilitate it. Like with problem solving with, with the, you know, sort of give you the latitude to do a number of problems, study a variety of topics. We're talking about creative thinking, creative thinking. I think part of creative thinking is also untrained. It's, um, something that you have to allow to, to, you have to like, okay, let do, me put it, it's experiential knowledge. Yeah. But to put that into an example that might make more, um, contextual sense. It's like, if someone is, here's a common problem, right? Someone who's working a nine to five comes home. Like I have a friend like this. He comes home every day. He's exhausted because he's been on the computer answering emails all day or whatever. And he's exhausted. He comes home and he wants to work on uh, 3d modeling on the computer as well. But it's like, it's so much screen time in a way that he's just like, uh, burnt out, you know, and he's not as creative, but he'll still put the time into it. But it's just, it's a lot, you know, to, mm-hmm. to do both of those things. Well, you know, if he wasn't working, right. If he didn't have to do that, then he would be more creative when it comes to the more cre- the creative endeavor he wants to work on. So in other words, the more people are like, um, like for kids growing up, you know, for example, I think in the future for them to be in school less, um, but having more time to socialize with other people, with other kids and mm. stuff like that will grow creative thinking more than being on a regimented sort of like textbook learning curriculum the whole time, like a job, you know, a job is like that. So that's I, one. Yeah. I do agree that like, I don't like the way the schools have been the same sort of factory system forever. And I think it's a clearly outdated and the thing need things need to be done to reform it and update it and improve it for sure. I don't obviously like not everyone is going to be interested in creative thinking. So you shouldn't only design schools to encourage creative thinking exclusively, but maybe it's just like one of the directions that like this new system can help. What's the word? Foster? I don't know. Um, Facilitate. Facilitate. Yeah. Fostered works too. Yeah. Whatever. Foster's home for imaginary. Yeah. I I kind of, I'm writing this down now for my script. Sorry. I sort of completely disagree that creative thinking is untrained. I think it's absolutely absolutely I don't think, he said it's both some some of it is trained and some of it is untrained it is, it is some of, yes yes i don't think okay. like in other words yeah. i think you can't force it too much that's the idea right like you can't force someone but, to be creative work is not is not forced it's just there's techniques you can employ to channel it right, right. which is like the trained way yeah well yeah. um i'm gonna drop organizational a, this is like uh, a little bit of meditation knowledge i guess or like related to that but <laughs> Like one of the things you learn about a meditation Stephen's is that tuning like, out you, once you say that. Once you you can't. No, no, no. I was just thinking like, oh, did you find out about like the waking up podcast like two weeks ago or what? No, no. Uh, no, you're I a long time. You're a, re- you're a real meditator. Yeah. 
He's huh. a real yogi. I was, making, I was making a joke, and then, yeah, okay. All right, all right, fair enough. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Drop your knowledge. Uh, okay, okay. So One of the now. things you learn Preacher. about is that, like, Preacher. when it comes to focusing on your breath when you're meditating, you can't force it. It's just impossible. You're going to get distracted. But what you can have is the intention to develop that habit. And over time, you'll be able to do it. And I think creative thinking is similar. You can put yourself in the position where you're, like, working at doing something creative, and you're having the intention to be more creative, and over time you will develop that ability. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I agree. I guess I agree. I, I think you have a fundamentally different approach, probably, Stephen. Like, well, I think no, no, you, no, no, no. I, which is I, I not just wrong. Like, it's just no. I, I, whenever I think about like my creative things that I do, right, mm -hmm. and um, okay. that's mostly video and music. I always think what has always kind of progressed me the most. And some of it is sort of letting the thoughts boil for a while and letting them sort of sift out into some clear thing. But part of it is like, man, the more I just take swings and I go like go up to bat and just take another swing at this, the better I get and the luckier I get. Well, and when I look across... That's yeah. that's what I mean when I say like you you have like you have the intention to do something creative and you go and try and do something creative taking a swing and then you get right. better by having that intention to keep going There's getting a, better that, at swinging. That is true that is valuable. That is undeniably valuable and important. But what and I necessary. missed what my big learning thing was this year is that volume is really big. Or mm -hmm. I think it is. I think it is now at this point. Are we talking about YouTube? Any creative endeavor, I think volume's mm. really important to get, and most people are obsessed with like perfecting things. Mm, and yes. I think there's an element of volume which um, you need to really like. There needs to be a bit of a grind, and I think some of this like very, um, you know, esoteric approach to to learning, or I mean, to creative thinking, can mask that sometimes because you spend so much time doubting yourself or thinking too much in the clouds of am i untrained creative or am i not right like am i talented or am i that's where the talented thing comes from it's like am i talented or not i think that none of that matters i Agreed. think it's about showing up putting in the work and your creativity no, just like starts to it starts to work i don't know yeah so okay let me challenge that a bit because i mostly agree with you but i think i do have some uh, maybe some points where I disagree with you there uh, or I view it differently. Like, for example, um, I think the premises that you're starting on are very important for this. So, for like, for example, you noticed volume is like a good thing, um, but it's good thing depending on what you value, right? If you're valuing viewership, channel growth, success on YouTube through any analytical sense. No, no, no. I'm saying not not related to that. For creativity, even you're saying, yeah, it's like the idea that the more you put out, the more likely you're out to put out, to put out something great. No, 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 no. Yeah, that. Mean? Yeah, no, no. Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, okay. that. I thought you were gonna say put, put out something swings, viral. home run kind of thing. Right. Okay, okay, right, okay. Right. right, right. Sorry, I misunderstood that. But, um, but it, it's same, same idea though. Like, where the more you're putting out, the closer you're getting to achieving like a pinnacle of quality. Um, not necessarily the more you put out though. Like not like it's not necessarily the literal quantity of the more work. consistent yeah. you are, the more consistent you are, right? Yeah, Would the you more you show up to the desk. Right. To work. Yeah, consistency is really mm. important, I think. Um right. but at the same time, some of the best artists I know about are pretty inconsistent, actually. Um 
in my opinion, though, there's also great artists I like who are very consistent. Who, so, do you, who are you thinking of when you're thinking of this? Like, I'm thinking about musical artists primarily. I'm thinking about filmmakers, directors, you know, mm-hmm. um, those kinds. Even of some YouTubers. Even some YouTubers, but, sure. Oh, game developers, fair. even game developers. Sure. Um, any piece of work that I and that's kind of where I'm trying to channel from, which is why I'm saying, which is why I'm saying we might have differing perspectives. Because for me, it's like my end game. Maybe I'm up in the clouds, but is like my end game is I want to make, I want to make like world recognized documentaries, for example, or like world recognized films or pieces of work or even songs at some point. You know, if I can develop the skills needed for that um things like that like just art that is going to be like have its own uh audience that appreciates it for artwork prime for the the artistry of it primarily rather than like me reporting on like whereas reporting on the news like a keemstar right he's basically doing that he's showing up for a desk job and you know, and he's, he's doing great. He's making millions of dollars, but you want to set yourself apart. I want to set myself apart. Yeah. I think you have a similar kind of outlook as me, Sam. Yeah, for sure. Let me, let me, um, kind of like pick apart a thread here because what we're talking about is maybe we're talking slightly past each other. So when I talk about like showing up, so let's say you have a musical artist, let's say this person, uh, like is a rapper or something. He could put out only like an album every two years or five years or 10 years. That's just the amount of work that he sort of lets get past the posts. But what actually I care about, what I think matters in terms of how good you're going to end up is just sort of how many hours you spend on your craft, regardless of whether you end up releasing it or not. In the case of like someone like Keemstar or something, he's kind of doing the same show every time. So he's not challenging himself. So he's not going to advance. But let's say... You have two people. One of them sort of shows up five hours a day, and one of them shows up 12 hours a day. And both of them are working towards world-class documentaries. Who would you bet on creating the world-class documentary? 10 out of 10 times, I would... Yeah, I'd bet on the guy putting in more hours. Um, So that's 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 sort of what I mean, is when I say volume, is like it doesn't have to equal more literal documentaries you put out. Okay, I yes. agree, but to a point, to a point, which oh, is I this. I had you. No, no, no. You have me to a point, though, but hold on. There's one caveat, though, that's important, which is, again, like the idea that you can't always force creativity. What I mean by that is I could put 10 hours into figuring out what is the best video idea I could come up with. Or sometimes I can just on a whim in a conversation hear something be like, oh, my God, that's that's it. That's a great idea. Like that's the one. And it's like, I didn't even control. I didn't even think about it. Maybe I was just, I was just relaxing, having a great conversation, but because it was like, you know what I'm saying? Like you can, inspiration you can get, hit. I, it came to inspiration. You exactly. Yes. Inspiration will come to you. You can also go to it sort of, which I think is kind of what you mean. Like, yes, you put in well, a lot the- of time, a lot of effort. You can definitely, um, produce great things at a rate. If you think about it though, what you, it's a, the method is a little different, but you are putting the time in because your your openness to you're the inspiration is yeah like you're you're le- being open and trying to hoping for something to catch all at all times. So like that is a sort of effort. That's, that's I think I think it. I finally have something that could maybe blend our two ideologies okay. here. Link. Here we go, it. and Let's then we can it. move on. Let's so, do religion. So, so Stephen King actually I have the book on my desk right now. 
He has this oh, book God, called. Oh God! Don't start with Stephen King. Okay, go go for on it. On writing, okay. 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 On writing, he talks about. Have you read it? No. No, no. I'm not, I don't read any books. Okay. Um, so he's got this idea of the muse, right? He's trying to explain to young writers, like a lot of people feel like you do, where they're like, "Well, I, I'm just sort of waiting for the magic to show up." And he's like, "No, this magic definitely exists. Like, sometimes you definitely there is some muse who sprinkles pixie dust on you every like you know." couple weeks where you really get like a glimpse of you know like insight whatever his point is that in order to make that happen you just kind of have to repeatedly show up to work and then your job is to sort of catch it when it's there so you imagine that like you know you just sort of have to catch the mailman as he goes by and you have to like grab him and hold on to it as like the idea right so uh i think that's basically blends our two ideas because you're like well you can't force it and i agree but also, my point is, you just have to show up, and so I think that's you're right. kind that of does blend our ideas. Yeah. I that's feel like that's what I was saying when I was like, "Your openness—that is the effort you are yes. putting time in." And we're blending um, slush in too. This is a gush blender here. Yeah, <laughs> that's what—that's why we call it. I do want to—I do want to mention that. Just I got think, it. I think what me and Sam are saying is kind of articulating what people mean by passion—the idea of having passion, right? Where it's like. Uh, you know, I just had this passionate idea and I went for it. Like, usually that's not an idea someone was, I mean, it requires the work and the time and all that once it's decided on, of course, but it's like, it's just my passion, right? You know, like they can't Mm -hmm. explain it. That's kind of like, but they're both necessary is the point. And that's kind of to what the little parable you just explained there. The parable. same thing. But yeah, Yeah, I mean, on, on on the top, unless you want to say something, I feel like I just cut you off. No, 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 go for it. Go for it. Since we're talking about like we got on this topic of volume, I feel like one interesting thing to point out in one way that you have facilitated volume is by like systemizing everything you do to be like the most efficient. So it's like there's the least amount of friction to to getting you putting in those hours. You know? Yeah, I'm just trying to always convince people of my ideology. I don't know if anyone in the audience has noticed that. And what part of this ideology is 100 percent efficiency. That's what the $10 million studio is all about, is that yeah. I can shoot videos that look as good as possible in the fastest amount of time possible. So one thing that I noticed was like daily YouTubers have a problem of the faster you start to produce, the worse your videos look. It's kind of a mm-hmm. general rule. Or at yeah, least the more they look the same, because you can have a good camera, but then they yes. just kind of all look the same, right? And so I've been working on... Um, my set, which is like, allows me to do a bunch of cool things. I mean, you can just watch my channel. I don't want to like demonstrate or anything I mean, like that. We can just but see it right now. Now, please demonstrate right now. Tear down the green screen so that we see what's really behind the magic. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the demonstration. Maybe we should like Boom. maximize the screen for him. Oh, okay. What's up, guys? On it, yeah. Chief. On it, Chief. Oh, wait. What? Oh, yeah. This is the. Uh, this is. That's the. That's the that, that, that's that's the fail right there. Okay, guys. that one's awesome. really nice. Going through the glass. Yeah. Come on. Can you get that again Thank in you. slow motion. I'm there. You go. Slow motion. Slow mo that baby. Wow, that's beautiful. There you go. Really. You nice. actually have the uh, the. Let me see if I can put it on for you. This is a gush oh. first. This is the this is the full. Set. That one looks like like cyberpunk, honestly. Which Are one? Are you creating the a one with the buildings outside? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one right yeah, here? Yeah, it's like cyberpunk or something. Yeah, man. Are you a VTuber? A, me? Officially? Secretly? Secretly? Is that how it's no, pronounced? No, I've been saying VTuber the whole time. You've been saying No, VTuber? yeah, I'm, I'm officially yeah. a VTuber. 100%. By the way, you know I'm your really... camera's off, Greg. Oh, Greg, I know. Your camera's off. Oh, okay. oh, I know. 
we're doing the coffee. This is the coffee break of the podcast. That's what we're calling Dude, it. Dude, yeah, I'm, I'm joining PewDiePie as a uh, VTuber. So, no, but all this stuff is programmed so I can do it all from my desk. And what I try to tell other YouTubers is like, if you can set it up to where you can pull stuff up all Wait, live. Did you just like pretend to not get, to get out of the way of the TV? Well, I got, I got, I had to get it out of the way. It hurt. It hits me otherwise. So anyway. Oh, really? I told you yeah. he's a VTuber. I told you. Yeah, because it comes, it's like. It's an actual screen there. What did you think? I thought it was just like a green screen effect. Oh my gosh. You thought I'm doing it cheap. No, dude. This you is like. You can't tell what's real and what's fake with this guy. This is, yeah, this is the whole thing. Yeah, this completely got me convinced. The whole thing. He was the real so, fake guru the whole time. Okay, so, so, uh, so yeah, like I could like show stuff. And the whole point of this is that um, the whole purpose of this elaborate thing is that I can shoot videos that look like they are spent a lot of time on it. And it's because I've scaled up my effort to like reuse a lot of assets. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to tell YouTubers all the time, like do this because what I see YouTubers do is what I used to do, which is I would shoot a video and then I'd spend like three days editing it. Oh, dude. and that's suck. I mean, it's that's terrible nothing. or more yeah. or a week. I spent or... like three months editing it. Well, yeah, he bro, means like a CoffeeZilla style video. No, even when I was doing coffee break, I'd spend like two weeks editing and it's like, yeah. that's terrible. I mean, that's, I mean, in terms of inefficiency, inefficiency wise, it's. See, you're absolutely right. But for some, and I think I'm, I, this is like clear, clearly something I'm conflicted, conflicted with uh, internally uh, because you're, you're right from every business perspective. You're absolutely right. And in truth, I need to be adopting more of those, uh, that type of mentality, but I'm always like a, um, finding myself trying to make something profound or like a masterpiece. And I need to have a lot of creative input, visually, audio, like I'm trying to leave my mark on it as well. Right. So, um, by the way, I know, by like, the way, I don't, this, this obsession with efficiency isn't about business. This is my own personal gripe. It, it kills my creativity when I have to like go adjust a camera, go change this, go change that. Like, and yeah. editing was something that I didn't mind doing, but I did not enjoy. I enjoy making the videos, doing the research, doing this. So this is just an excuse for me to do everything that I already want to do. Just more of it. And that's what, that's what I enjoy. Right. right exactly. I, so, I guess I enjoy the audio visual aspect more than the right. information aspect. My thought though, I used to sort of be like, I want every video to be a masterpiece piece and i eventually came to the conclusion that people don't want masterpieces no they don't <laughs> but there's that element YouTube. of like glink let me see your face you dude i'm showing you my hold face and me, i feel give me like, like two minutes hold up come there's on. the element of like what do you, what satisfies you as the content creator right because like maybe you are happy just putting out a bunch of masterpieces that only a certain amount of people end up watching yeah 100 100 percent no yeah. no that yeah and i love i love people who do that my favorite, all my favorite creators, all, like almost all of them are like masterpiece focused. They're I really think that Greg and I are out. both focused on like putting out something that we're happier with at the cost of consistency and like guaranteed viewership. Yeah, my, you know, my thought, my thought ironically is that like I'm sacrificing for a while in my view to make future work that like I'm really proud of. So I, I realized I didn't have the tools to make the videos I wanted to make. I'm not the best, I'm not the best editor in the world. So to craft a video that I was like really proud of, I was like, I have to do something different. And so part of this whole thing is like, 
I'm building up towards something where I can tell stories in a way that's sort of unique. No one really does it quite this way. And um, in a way that people enjoy. So that that's the way I think about it. Like I'm doing this whole thing. Well, I don't want to give too much away about my future set expansion, but I have like really big ambitions for what this could become. And I think like, yeah, it's just, a, I, I guess it's just philosophies of creating. I feel like we're getting at. Yeah, totally. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So are we going to see you on Netflix again? Well, okay. I mean, you can't Greg keeps m- mentioning met- Netflix because I got one second of Netflix fame and in, in a the credit form of text <laughs> in the form of text after the credits. So literally nobody on earth has seen me on Netflix, but I technically exist on Netflix you at do. like t- minute it's 21 second 42. We view you as Netflix. We view you as the one who made it. Have you seen my channel? I changed the banner. I saw that. Yeah, that that was really funny. Yeah, I know. Um, I see on Netflix. I'm a Netflix boy now. I mean, that's super cool either way, and you know, I'm sure opportunities. I mean, what I thought was interesting was that like it was because of what you do that you couldn't, like you were supposed to have more, but they were like, oh, this guy's a liability. Okay, so that actually brings up a good point. So I want I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I, the reason I don't like, another reason I don't like conventional routes to things is because all the conventional forms of media fucking suck. Suck. Yeah. They suck. They I don't agree, allow actually. for creativity. They don't allow for critical thinking. Even they don't yeah. allow, it's just the most mindless, dumbed down, like ridiculousness. Prime example, like that show ridiculousness on, um, MTV. I know MTV is like an entertainment network, but the point is mm. just the point is like lowest shows that appeal to the lowest common denominator, right? That is the problem yeah. with cable. That is the problem with mainstream news articles these days. Honestly, it's just all become that. Um, well, you, you and know I view why YouTube, though? Uh, go for it. Why? The the reason why a lot of these shows suck is they don't have any money, and because they don't have any money, they're always fighting to survive. So they're like jackals who are like literally picking. They will eat anybody they can. They will do anything they can for their next meal. And so if they have to put a show called ridiculousness is what you get when you go, okay, (laughs) what is the absolute basest show we could produce? They got the most viewers. And why would they do that? I mean, it's not just because they're like lining their like like uh, pockets It's because they see their viewership just constantly kind of dwindling down. And it's a self-fulfilling cycle in some ways because the more you make uninspired art, the more people are going to tune out and they, they don't care to see it. But this right. you see the same thing with the movies. Like, what do these movie studios all want? Well, they all want Franchise. guaranteed hits. Why? Because it's so movies are so expensive to make, or some movies uh, are so expensive to make, and they want to know they're going to get a return on their investment. And so one advantage, huge advantage to YouTube, and one reason you can see art flourish on YouTube is because the overhead is so low. Mm-hmm that oftentimes you can make stuff work that you could never make work on TV, like with small audiences and like, you know, you're not getting as many views as a TV show, but you're actually getting way higher profit margins because, and you're able to survive on it for whatever reason. And so you can therefore be creative. Creativity is sort of a luxury of people who can support themselves. And so I view a lot of like, 
like especially newspapers where they have gone, like they've gone down the toilet. Why? Because the economics of mass media and, and like and click articles relying on it's clicks not sustainable. is yeah. garbage. Yep. What well, it just makes you it, it's a race to the bottom, right? Because it's it a is, race yeah. to to the most clickbait, sensationalist, trash, uh, you know, media there is. So I do see that as like I almost Anytime I see somebody kind of getting really desperate for clicks, I just think, or really desperate in like in their content is not very creative. I just think that person really must be desperate. I mean, that's, that's what it usually is. To me, it feels like YouTube for a lot of communities is also a race to the bottom in terms of the type of content. Yep. But it has this unique, yeah, but it has, it also has this race to the top quality in the sense that there is a value for quality videos on YouTube, you know, whether it's through the audience retention, the watch time, the inner, you know, whatever analytics that are correlated with it or not, there is a value given to true quality on YouTube in terms of production, in terms of effort put into it. Um, that's something I think people actually kind of miss. Like, not that I'm some YouTube know-it-all, but <clears throat> I think I see, like, I see a lot of small ch- uh, channels start out where like, they have the basic fundamentals of a formula that does well on YouTube, but they're missing like the effort, you know, like you could tell they're just kind of going through the motions or something. They're missing like putting what makes yeah, it just generic or whatever. Yeah. Steven has but, something to say. I could see. Yeah. See bubbling. No, 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 no. I, I, I want, I want to hear you, Sam. What are you going to say? I, I know. I just, I had nothing to say. I wanted to hear what you had to say. <laughs> Sam, it looks I, like you're slowly I, baking in an oven. Like you're it's a so chip. hot in my room, I'm fucking dying, oven, yeah. dude. The AC I just like not hitting my house. It's my fine room. Where, where I am, and I live in the middle of the desert, so dude, this is nuts. today was like. So keep changed. complaining, Sam. Look, I completely yeah. agree. Well, I I think in general, there's so few people actually taking risks to do something new on uh, in YouTube, and I didn't really even realize how small I had been thinking. Like I had just been kind of content to make my little video essays and I was sort of like at some point I was like, I'm kind of like 20 other channels. I'm sort of replaceable by 20 other channels on, on this platform. And I don't Mm -hmm. like that. Like I was like, I was like, this kind of doesn't make sense. I mean, there's 20 other guys that make video essays, not even 20, like hundreds of other guys. And I was like, they all kind of, they look like me and oftentimes they're better than I am. And I don't think my videos are as good as theirs are. And it's like, well... Yeah, but do they look better than you? Probably not. <laughs> but I'm a... It's true. Wow. I can't argue that with this. No, but I know, what you mean. I know exactly. Yeah, I, like people want to copy what works, but as soon as you copy what works, it's like... Doesn't work you're anymore. De- you're, you're derivative. I mean, yeah, you're not the original, so... You got to start trends, not chase them. Hey, that's what the $10 million studio is all about, dude. I'm getting people on the virtual <laughs> trend. Sorry, did I say virtual? I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I, I meant real... Real monitor slush. Sorry. Yeah. Ahead, yeah. Can I bring this yeah, down for a second? Back to you, slush. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I thought it was flying over there in that oven. Here. Because I, like, I saw you doing it like in your videos. So when you did it here, I was like, is this just like Pavlovian response? Like he can't help it now. Yeah, dude. It's real. I don't want to get <laughs> He's hit. conditioned by it. <laughs> um, he doesn't even know what's real or not anymore. <laughs> It's true. I'm no idea. I could be dreaming, but I have five Yo, figures, y'all seen so that Bitcoin dropping? Yeah, I wanted to. I yeah, I was gonna ask today. about like um, about five hundred dollars. How, how you feel about Elon Musk? Actually, I was 
because I like I feel like I'm just hearing nothing but Elon Musk these last few days, and everyone like, with with his turning on Bitcoin and uh, you know there was the SNL thing. Guys, tell us about your brother Elon. Guys, <laughs> guys, a massive troll. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that though, I'm starting to think. Okay. He's a plant. He's a plant. No, he's kind of the smartest, dumbest person I've ever met, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's a plant. Like, I he does a bunch of stuff that I think, like, whenever I hear him talk about some topics, like, I heard I heard him talk about, uh, like, thrusters and, you know, and space and, and, the st- and SpaceX. And the guy's so intelligent in, in the nitty-gritty engineering details. Mm-hmm. But when I hear him talk about a lot of things, I'm like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. Well, <laughs> he's what we might call... On the spectrum. I mean, I'm not trying to be a dick about saying that. A lot of people are on the spectrum. You know, people on the spectrum. They don't know what they're talking about. You know, he literally (laughs) admitted that on SNL. He literally admitted he's, yeah, yeah. So, Um, I mean, I think that is kind of part of it. Well, I don't think so. Which isn't a bad thing, by the way, because it means you are actually a lot more proficient in detail, like, Knowledge that a lot of people, like you were saying, this. I think he's just sort of a bullshit artist, though. No. Yeah, that's. I was trying to get at is that I think because so I I don't know if you remember, but like a little while back, I came to talk to you because I wanted to do this video regarding get rich quick culture. I eventually decided I don't really want to do it, but one of these threads that I was going at was I was going to sort of prove that Elon Musk is the new face of get rich quick culture. What do you think about that? Yeah. How, How so? I just felt like he was the everything about him was like. Uh, over-perceived value, I, whether he was pushing it through the stocks, whether it's his company, Tesla, you know what I mean? Like, it was just this constant thing. I, feel I like agree. Elon, Elon Musk, is the Antichrist. <laughs> no, I think he's just really good at building a... He's he's the best marketer I've ever seen, and he's great at building a cult. He's got a cult following, very yeah. smart about it, very good about how he's marketed himself. Um, but I don't think he's trying to. I think he's just memeing, uh, but it's working that way. I honestly yeah. think so. I know that but it's sounds like, crazy, but it is genius, though. Like the way, okay, the way he made himself seem like he's the founder. Genius. He made himself seem like he's the founder of Tesla. He's not. He made himself seem like he's the founder of PayPal. He's not. His whole origin story of being like a broke kid from South Africa is not true. He was rich, so it's like everything about him, all his background that has led up to the cult he now kind of commands and possesses. Sort of is kind of smart marketing and sort of str- a huge Dude, stretching the of the truth. Final boss for your yeah, he's it. he's lying. No, but because he, the genius thing about Elon Musk is he's finally succeeded enough to where he's definitely not fake. That's yeah. the thing. He didn't he didn't start Tesla, but he did take Tesla to where it go, went. He didn't start PayPal, but he kind of was a part of PayPal, right? Right. He's not the end all be all genius, but he kind of is a genius. That's the problem. Right. Yeah. He's a Absolutely. he's legit enough to where he's if you're gonna call his, if you're gonna call him a loser, you have to contend with the fact that he has a rocket that can flip upside down and right. land itself. It's you like yeah, deal with that luck. rocket. You gotta deal. You gotta it's deal like with he took rocket. his his good qualities and he just like scaled them out yeah. into like fal- like this false scaling though into absurdity. Well, that, that's yeah. a future human. Future humans are gonna. He's like the first future human, I think, where it's like the autist meets the engineer. Or, take those glasses I off. I can't take. I can't take you seriously with those glasses on. It's gonna telling be me like, about future well, humans. Let me to, tell I'm you, to they're gonna wear those glasses while they glasses. No, no, I'm trying to become a future human myself. This helps okay, me sorry. scan yeah. for all the data. Put them back so on. the thing is, um, <laughs> put on the damn glasses. No, well now I don't want to just because you told me. <laughs> so the thing is, Elon is kind of, but he's what what he's doing really is that he's mixing his 
knowledge of like these detailed things like you're saying about rockets and all that and knowing how these things work and actually kind of leveraging that to sell an idea which is ultimately helping him to create the, the thing, right? Like in this case, the rockets. Maybe he actually cares the most about the rockets and maybe he doesn't even give a shit about, he never gave a shit about PayPal or Tesla or even Solar City or whatever, for example. I don't know. I, I really don't know what he cares about. But it's like, you know, do you know what I'm saying though? Where he's like harnessing yeah. the hype for that, let's say, and then using it to actually create something. That's kind of interesting to me. I think kind that's of. partially well, true. I mean, you, the Solar City thing was like they didn't really end up doing it, right? Um, uh, no, he bought out Solar City with Tesla. Right, still around. Yeah. But like, they never actually in, did any sort of installation of solar roof. It was tiles. mostly it was mostly hype. Yeah, exactly. Uh, people did install it, I think, but it just wasn't mass done I think on a massive it's like, scale. It, I believe. It, it, it mostly just nothing really happened. The boring company the was also a gigantic failure. I mean, look, he's got he's had big L's, but I I agree with you, Glink, that I think maybe it's not his main goal. Maybe his main goal is like, is this boring company? Th- or I mean, sorry, is SpaceX? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I know Bezos. That's like his big thing too. Interestingly enough, is really? he's like yeah, he's into space. They they launched a uh, their own rocket. I don't know what his company's called, but. Uh, he has his own like space company that has their own private. Um, I thought uh, Bezos's big thing was underpaying people and making them pee in bottles. Well, that's like the, that's like the that's like no, the no, mainstream no. news cover story. But they're deeper both than that, cra- they're aliens that have crashed here, and now they're trying to fund the research. They're trying to, to get go back, back home. home. And exactly. Bezos's species, they just pee in bottles and work a lot. That's just normal for them. Okay? That's what they do back they home. Didn't that's realize his it's the disconnect. On yeah. Zorgon. On Zorgon. Yeah. That's their culture. Clearly. You can't blame them for that. Um, and Elon, too, you know? They're just like, this is a GoFundMe to get the fuck back home for them. You know? Yeah. That's true. They're playing so, the long game. All right? This is the long con. It's a long This is con. the multi dimensional interstellar. What do y'all think con. about what do y'all think about billionaires, huh? While we're on the topic. Um I've been souring on him a little bit. Yeah, me too. I don't view I, billionaires as a monolith. I think that Fair enough. I in a, in a, I want to live in a world where like nobody wants to be a billionaire. You know what I mean? And and when I say that I mean like the people who are billionaires today, like instead of becoming billionaires, they just gave more back to society or whatever. Out of, like they were just such good people, you know. I, I don't want I them to be forced that. to do it. That. I just want them to be good enough to choose to do it. In other Obviously, words, that's you, a you don't see that as a root. It'll never happen. No, but but you're seeing past that to the root problem, which is not whether there are billionaires or aren't billionaires, but it's what people's is greediness it's just yeah it really is representative unfortunately of maximum greediness and not caring i, I about think it's power too so i think it's the desire yeah. for power i think when you get that True. much money you're wanting to sort of like you don't care about the money itself you care about what the money represents which is power and being number one right yeah so right. like dude y'all hear the the bill gates news Y'all hear it? This is what started a lot my of whole bad news recently. billionaire, you know, conflagration is this whole disaster with Epstein. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of stuff coming out about that. He's been lying about how close he is to Epstein. I'm about to make a video about it. Ooh. I defended it. I defended <laughs> Bill Gates, dude. I defended a lot of people this did. man. A lot of people. Oh, did. I said yeah. this man is a he's oh, poor he's little a, a charity boy. 
He's just a I charity don't boy. I don't trust. No, Bill Gates. dude. No. Ha -ha. He's sketchy. When Epstein, when it was found out, okay. MIT lab. Things yep. came out that Epstein was funding MIT lab. Oh, dude. You know about they this story. Lab? This story is crazy. They approached, crazy. they approached Gates and they said, hey, did you, did you like do anything with this? No, 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 no nothing. I have nothing to do with Epstein. Okay. Come to right. find out. That's not true. Gates right. actually, there was a thing from Joy Ito, the, the director of the MIT Media Lab, saying this is a $2 million grant directed by Epstein by Bill Gates or whatever. Mm. So clearly they were involved. Okay, well, yeah, maybe we were involved with the grant. But we, I never really, don't really know him. Okay, well, it actually it's found out that he, he had emails where he talked about meeting Epstein. So he goes, okay, fine. I just met him, no relationship with him at all. Then a New York Times report comes out. Jeff Bezos met, or uh, Bill Gates met with him multiple times, numerous times. Okay, fine. Oh, yeah. I met with him, but I never traveled with him. I didn't like go to like Palm Beach, Florida or anything. He's Flight logs get post. released. Flight logs get released. Yeah. Palm Beach, Florida. He literally went to oh, the place man. that he said he didn't go to. Okay. Oh, no. So oh, then God. it's like every time he's just lying to people. Then he's like, yeah, Jeez. only meetings with men. And then we get an email going, yeah, this very attractive Swedish lady uh, stopped by and I no. stayed late into the night. And then he's like sending emails like, hey, uh, I really like Jeffrey Epstein's, uh, you know, his, his lifestyle is intriguing, but may not work for me. And then when mm. asked about what he meant by Epstein's life was intriguing, he goes, I was talking about the decor. Sure. Right. Shut the up, decor. dude. <laughs> I was like, I was like, these billionaires, they're all in on it, dude. Mm, of course. Galen is with Co Coffeezilla's life is sure intriguing with all that decor Bill in Gates. the background. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, dude. It's like, come on. No one ever said that. So um no, the I think billionaires, subscribers would disagree, but I've been souring on those I don't even call them billionaires. What I'll call them are elites. Yes. Elites of society. Because it's not okay. about having a few bucks. It's about having so much power. That you just go crazy. You just go loco, yes. dude. Like I Warren Buffett, you. the most straight-laced guy seemingly on earth. Like he's very like... He uh, probably did some fucked up shit, right? Like, look at grandma, grandpa. Dude, he's like in some polyamorous relationship and has yeah. been for like years. I'm just I'm like... not even surprised anymore. You get enough power, you're just kind of... you're gonna. How do long until we find out what he's been doing with kids? And right? I'm not... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll find much worse things about a lot of these guys as time moves on. But my oh, point is that... I mean, I hope not. That, I hope not. I hope not. My point is not that like... It, that's not just like a random dig at, I guess... Uh, polyamory whatever i'm just saying none of them are leading like normal like tr like traditional lives yeah. it's always there's always a wrinkle like eric schmidt ceo of google or who he was i found out that he was like buying a penthouse but he had to make sure it was all soundproof like the entire penthouse Whoa. was all soundproof and it's like what's he up to why what is why he what what, what is are you doing american there? psycho experiment yeah so my point is just like that consistently i just like keep running into these billionaires i'm like Oh, you're not. It's not well, even that you just have a lot of money. Sense, it's just like, right? Psychologically. It's like you're fucked up. <laughs> because it's yeah. like, he, he, here's how it makes sense to me. When you totally. get past a certain point of wealth, you accumulate so much disposable income that it's like, it just becomes a game of like, hmm, what can I indulge in? What can I. Um, I think it's not even yeah. that. Honestly, I what think can be an interesting like you you're always going to want to make life more interesting. It's like playing a video game on cheat codes, right? When you have mm. basically infinite money, it's like, oh, I can do all this crazy shit now. OK, I'm just going to be a little bit more wild. You know, you're going to act a little bit more wild when you got the cheat codes in the game. Right, you're not right. just going to play by the rules. You're going to do some weird shit. And 
unfortunately, this manifests in some bad ways for some of these people. Uh, you know, yeah, like I should ways have hated on Buffett because I think his relationship was consensual. I'm hating yeah. mostly on like uh, the Gates Epstein connection and then the Eric Schmidt thing. I found very weird. But my point is just like none of the yeah, like you. I thought you make a great point there. Is they're just living life on cheat codes? So they're like, let, I need yes. excitement. But that that implies that anyone who had the cheat codes. If you gave no, it, to it a doesn't bunch imply of people, anyone. No, no, not anyone. But like, it just implies that like it has more to do with the. I feel like it has more to do with the person than the cheat codes. As well, the person okay. to get it's to the both, point where though. they get it's cheat both. codes is most Sam, likely the the person changes from the cheat codes. That's another. Thing. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I think that the Sam, people lower who your are, voice. If we gave you a billion dollars, you'd go nuts. Let's be honest. I agree with you on that too. Okay. Probably. <laughs> well, like you I don't know us, how I would you act, buy each of us houses. The, uh, the thing is that people don't just get a billion dollars. Okay, this right. doesn't just happen. People just just get given a billion dollars. They acquire the billion dollars. And and yeah. how to to get to that they point? What kind of person do you have to be? You really think? No, that that's it's, all true. It's, that's all true. But what right. I'm saying is, it's 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 a two way thing, right? It's all. It's as right, with it is anything. Two ways. It's both. It's, yeah, it's as with anything, there's multi-levels to it, right? Because what you're saying is true. It takes a certain, it's already a self-filtering system of the kind of person that's going to be a billionaire is mm. already a certain kind of person to begin with. Otherwise, they wouldn't be a billionaire or they're putting in the time to be that kind of person, right? Like there is no just landing in their lap unless they're inher- inheriting the money, I guess. But that's, to, but to your point, and then the other side of it is like, but also the billionaire lifestyle will definitely affect a person's psyche oh. compared to before they were a billionaire. Can you say. imagine yeah. having the power just to change anyone's life overnight forever? Everybody you meet, every single person you meet is just it's sort of in the back of your pocket. You're like, I could. In fact, like to any level, to any degree, you can make their life easier. You can make it in a small way. You can say like, hey, I'll take dinner. I'll take dinner tonight. Hey, just come out for dinner. No big deal. You can do it a little bigger. You can be like, hey, I bought you something. You do a little bigger. Like, hey, I hey, paid off your, your college. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's the crazy thing. And and that comes with power over people. I mean, people. Hey, look under your desk. Well, yeah, uh, let's look at Bill desk. Gates as an example. The, since we started with Bill Gates, right? How much do you think whatever he's guilty of doing? We don't know, right? The, I don't know. Full yeah. details. But like, let's say. It turns I out just to be don't some think you worst. can hang out with Epstein and not get a little dirty. Just yeah, stop hanging out let's with say fucking pedophiles. He's, he's Is guilty. that too much to ask? Let's say he's guilty of of what the what you might expect someone who hangs out with Epstein yeah. to be guilty of. Okay. Uh, do you think that that is, how much of that do you think is related to the being a billionaire, and how much of that do you think is related to Ooh, being okay. who Bill Gates? Because he's also famously was like a you know. With Steve Jobs, he he kind of like stole his idea a little bit and all that stuff. You know, he's well, he's that, has that a history to me being unethical. Comes down to morals. Yes, the, that's, that's your morals what I'm at. are the foundation of everything. If you don't value life, if you don't value the truth, if you don't value, you know, there's a number of things that you can value and you can think are of the utmost importance to your character to to uphold to basically have integrity. Uh, of not crossing certain boundaries, then those are, you have strong morals. But I think uh, to your point, Sam, like that is, I I agree. That's the foundational problem is if someone has strong enough morals, the amount of money shouldn't change. um, The potential for how far 
in the bad direction they'll go is like lessened by the base yes. of who they are and how they Definitely. see the world. Definitely. Exactly. You can actually control it. Uh, you know, the more grounded you are, the less it has. You could think of money yeah. and even you could even think of like probably substances in the similar capacity here where they affect your ability to your pot. What you're able to think about is expanded because money w when you're working, you know, paycheck to paycheck, your mind is sort of limited in the sense that you're you're stressed out about that. There's actually studies about this, how financial stress is a real thing where it'll actually lower mm. your working IQ because you're stressed about, you know, working your job yeah. and put providing for yourself. Right. Basic human necessities. Um, and unfortunately, way too many people are stuck in that mindset because they have to focus on their day to day. But th what I'm trying to say is that the people who have just ridiculous amounts of money and never have to worry about it, their imagination can sort of run wild, which is kind of what I was getting at earlier. Um, right. But also it's like also like psychedelics are kind of like that, too. But in both instances, your ego is very easily inflated. Your sense of your disconnect to reality is very possible. But in order to stay grounded, you have to be a very grounded person. And I think it takes strong beliefs like morals, like some for some people it's very strong spiritual religious beliefs things like that to keep you grounded i completely agree i yeah. mean I, the best yeah i like what you said like it really just comes down to options i mean when you're when you're broke you don't have the option to be that bad i mean how bad can you really be when you're broke when you're a billionaire you can be as bad as you want and basically suffer nothing i mean like with impunity yeah. um i mean the epstein i watched the epstein doc it's wild I didn't realize that this guy had gone to jail. Did y'all realize he had gone to jail for this uh -huh. like minor solicitation? That. But then in jail, he was just walking out. He was exonerated, yeah. No, no, or no. Or not no, exonerated, no, no. but he no. was... Uh, he, had a, he had a work release. So, for, yeah. okay, six... Imagine this. You go into jail, six days out of that week, you can leave for 12 hours of the day and do whatever <laughs> you want. Dude, that's a sick jail. I kind of want to no, go it's, there. No, it's not a jail at all. It's like a bad motel, I think is what yeah, they said in the yeah. documentary. It's ridiculous. It's so I was like, our, so that yeah. go, that goes to the point jail. about if you have money, you have power, and if you have power, you can sort of do whatever you want with yes, no like consequences. Wolf of Wall Street at the end, where he's like, for a moment I forgot that I was rich, and then it shows him playing tennis in prison. Yeah, yeah, that was sick. I kind of wanted to be there playing tennis. <laughs> yeah, um, looked nice. Damn, I should again, go to prison. Then again, the sprawling <laughs> apartment complex is starting to look a lot like that too. So. Um, like a prison. But that's a different. That's funny. That's a different. Um, <laughs> so just, just a little quip from Glink right there. A little deep cut from Glink. We'll use um, that as the entire podcast. Mm, yeah. So <laughs> I didn't know you play piano, dude, because I'm learning piano. Ah. Sam plays piano. We've actually recorded really. samples of us playing. It's not great, but little bits and pieces are decent. We actually used that for the intro last time. And uh, let me listen to it real quick. A, we're forming a piano band and we want you in. Dude, I'm in. I'm in. Okay, let's fucking. I go. sing though too. It's more like a keyboard band, but. Yeah. You sing? Of course. Dude. Now I, I do. Not, re singing. not really. I don't really sing. I've started to like, learn to sing. I can, you'll, I can you'll play. You'll be our piano. backup singer. What I'll, kind of I'll style be on lead it? vocals. What genre do you. Yeah, if that's placeable. Jazz. You're a jazz man. Yeah, mostly jazz stuff. Or like jazz. So how, do, blues, how, how does how does one sing soul. in jazz tone? Uh, uh, you, it's all feeling, baby. No, it's I mean all like feeling, baby. 
Oh yeah, you can go like Sinatra, like fly me to the moon, or you mm. could do something like a little. I don't know. Uh, when is the like, music channel coming? You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> The music it's channel? That's where it started. That's where it it's, began. It's where it started where it's and maybe end. it's where Dude, it ends. I don't know. Listen, uh, music, I'm telling you something. Music is the future of content creation online for YouTubers. It <laughs> so is. It's well, so a lot of YouTubers are doing it right now. Okay, here's why. Here's why. Think about it in this sense. This is how I thought about it. I know it's not considering every factor, but a good video that you upload, best video you ever fucking made. Most of the time, people are going to watch it, enjoy it, maybe watch it one other time. You make a good-ass good, good ass song, a catchy song, um, people are going to listen to that dozens of times, hundreds of times even. Just that mm. one song, which is only a few minutes long. And it's more creative. It's more uh, artistic. Obviously, it's hard to kind of break into the zeitgeist with music. But the point is, as a content creation business model... From a business perspective, I feel like it's also the future, a good future for a lot of YouTubers. I like how you think about that. This like replayability factor. Yeah. I do think that's really interesting. I think it's Something a good mix. I think it's good to spice it up. I do plan to eventually spice it up with some music. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, right. I really am inspired by Dr. Disrespect. I mean, if you couldn't mm, tell. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dr. Disrespect, though, he's, he does, like, some music stuff. And he's not even yeah. he's not even a musician. And he no, does right. some stuff. He, well, he just and, like, pays people to work with him. He music kills is just it, great dude. Content, he freaking man. kills it. Yeah. Music is a universal language. It's always going to be good content. But, like, but you got to have... What I like... Okay, so... Man, I could talk about Dr. Disrespect forever. That guy is changing the game. At least he he's was cool. for a while. I don't know he's if he's, right. like... He's like He's like uh, he's stagnated a little bit, I would say. He's, he's stuck. He's stuck on YouTube now. Yeah, yeah. I think he but, kind of hit his peak. If I'm going to be honest, maybe I'm wrong, but in my opinion, like he's kind of hit his cre- his. I don't want to say creative peak, but I just mean he's kind of dug himself into a hole a little bit because he's played so much of a character that he is now limited by that character to whatever that means. Maybe it means he'll be relevant for the next. Five years or ten years, but I, I just kind of like, disagree with that a little bit. I kind of okay. see him as like a wrestler, and like it, famously in wrestling, like these pe- these characters will like change dramatically. That's true. you know, like Hulk Hogan became like he had like this whole like American thing. You, you rebrand, know? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That's true. So like he could just do that at any point in time. I think that's he's true. probably. I think what you're seeing as stagnation is probably him working on other projects and making his main channel. Sort of like a side job for a while, possibly, where, to support like what he wants. I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, that he's like one of the most creative creators that I've seen in a while. Other people are like Mr. Beast is changing the game. Who do you guys think though? Who in your experience is like really? Do you look at and you go, okay, that guy's doing something in a way that no one else really is. For me, that was Doctor Disrespect. It was Mr. Beast. Um... I think KSI is really cool. I think what like what, where he does the reactions, but he also does like music and like really high quality stuff. Um, but there's not a lot. My list is pretty short for like a creator that I really respect. Literally, I really? have a few across yeah. time. So I'll try to l- let me like tell you how. Well, I, yeah. Uh, okay, across time. Sure, I would also be putting Doctor. Okay, then let's do that. List. Let's do that. Okay. Let yeah, me just start all, off of with... all time. Logan Paul's sick too right now. Logan Paul's crushing it. Oh, I want to mention. I want to yeah, talk about the UFC briefly. stuff. Um, 
just I want to just... I want to get get to that actually, but I'll say like to begin with, for me, I've always thought obviously James Rolfe, AVGN, yeah, was yep. always very inspiring just because of how from such an early time in YouTube he was making this basically like he invented films. modern gaming content. He really did, and he set this, the bar pretty damn high that even now you go back and you can watch them, and they're still enjoyable. You know, they're still, the quality is good, the production's good. It's a little bit, you know, like you've seen this kind of content a lot now since then, but the actual quality of it was so super high as well. That, so that was one person for sure. Um, this other group, which is way lesser known, is called Mega64. I'm actually wearing their shirt right now. These guys, to this day, definitely still inspire me because... They started out doing like like 10 years ago when I first started watching them, when I was kind of first getting into YouTube, they would do uh, video game skits in real life. Like you guys have probably seen them, um, but they would do these really kind of like viral video game skits in real life and mess with the public, basically. It was really funny. And I used to watch them for that, but then their content slowly transitioned to where now they're like doing, they're, they'll like remake an anime series in five minutes with all practical effects and with like a actors live action, but like a bunch of practice. It's just so uh, they did like a DBZ one, Evangelion one. It's just so well made. And it's like they're, they are staying so true to the source material while creating this awesome, like, I don't know, amazingly high production film, basically in a short amount of time. Uh, so they're definitely a big inspiration. And in terms of like, yeah, I mean, those are the main ones. I feel like a lot of the other people I look up to, I view more so as, like, my rivals in, like, a friendly way. In the sense that, like, I'm inspired by them, but I also want to put out stuff better than them. Like, again, someone who we always talk about on the show is Emp Lemon. And, like, his right. he does great video essays. Um, another guy I really like is What I've Learned or Jay Everett, whatever. Like, he kind of does stuff you would be into. You've probably seen some of his videos. Oh, yeah. Um, He's great. Like he's his content's pretty inspiring. I think that as well. everyone that I Frank feel, Yang. yeah, I was gonna say Frank Yang also. Uh, like everyone that I feel, it's like because I think I I like the their art. I find their art unique. So Frank Yang is one of them. Million Dollar Extreme. You know, back when Sam Hyde was doing YouTube yeah. content before he went off the deep end. Very unique <laughs> visually and like all this stuff. You know what I mean? So like that. Those are the kinds of things that come up to me. Whereas, like, I feel like what you're looking at, someone like Dr. Disrespect or Mr. Beast, you're like, these guys are changing the way people do it, and everyone's going to copy them. Whereas I'm thinking of people who are, like, irreplaceable, but not necessarily people are going to try and be... Not like necessarily them. trendsetters, in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could make an argument that, like, Sam they Hyde do set led trends, to H3H3, yeah. H3, and that had a big effect on the commentary community or whatever. But I can't think of anyone that I've been really into that's, like, Mr. Beast. That that has like had that sort of effect on the mm. ecosystem. Yeah, PewDiePie maybe to some people he would be one of them for sure. PewDiePie maybe. Yeah, like when, what impresses me about some of these guys is um, what they're doing at the highest level, where they're like really putting on massive productions. I mean, that sort of just interests me. Like Logan Paul's just gotten really good at storytelling. I mean, some of his vlogs now are like not a joke. I mean, like they're they're interesting. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've gotten really into storytelling and so I'm trying to figure out how to do it. But what's interesting about telling stories is that YouTube, it's completely different from TV and TV. You have like a three act structure, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can apply similar principles to YouTube, but it doesn't translate necessarily one to one. 
Like you don't have actors, right? You're, you're supposed to do it live. And then typically in TV, you don't break the fourth wall, but YouTube, you're always breaking the fourth wall and like addressing the audience. So that's like a weird difference. And so I'm trying to watch people who have done it at the highest level and saying, how can I do what they're doing right? And then try to take it to put my own twist or take it to my own next level. But as far as what you guys are talking about, which I think of as more of like, I'm artistically like moved by these people is definitely not those guys I just mentioned that that answer is that I'm mostly moved by like books and graphic novels and things like that. Like I I get inspired by, I I almost never really get like truly inspired by YouTube. I no offense to YouTube. I get, I get moved by like movies and basically media or older, older forms of media more. Yeah. Well, I just think they're, in some ways, objectively better. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Like that's, that's true, what their the goal is, right? I think that like some things only a YouTube video can do, and then other things can be done. The one on thing medium. YouTube has over everybody is they have this like um, Gonzo format to them, where it's like you're really in it, and there's not yeah. there's no real artifice there. You're sort of you can like you know visit a town with that guy, and there's no pretension of like we have a camera crew. It's like just the guy. So that's really yeah. cool. There's some uniquenesses, but when I think of like storytelling, when I think of uh, like masterful special effects or anything that I sort of care about, it's all better, you know, been done better. Sure, no right. That's that's, a, I mean, that's something I uh, I think I'm coming to grips with, and I'm figuring out what I need to take a step back on, if I'm going to be honest, because what you just said is undeniably true. Everyone has seen, you know, way better visuals, even way better cinematography, editing, flashy effects than anything you or I have the time, money or skills to produce on YouTube. Right. Um, But like, I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's me trying to hold on to something, but I still feel like, well, even though that's true, I, I feel like that's an important part of storytelling is the visuals and so i want to make visuals that have an impact I think that on makes the viewer. perfect sense to to want to have that sort of to, ha- to want to do cool visuals or something that goes along with the story because i mean sure just because like the other mediums might be able to do it better they have greater potential doesn't mean that like your audience isn't going to appreciate well, a video that's more entertaining i don't think they necessarily have better potential i think they're more mature and at at this moment they have more money in them and the more money you have the more budget you have to do like these things i think what we're watching right now though is this youtube qualities like this and tv quality and movie quality sort of like their budgets are going down and they're having to find ways to sort of do more with less and youtubers have more and they can do more. So, like, I mean, I think you've seen, like, Linus Tech Tips, Marque- Marquez Brownlee. They're doing some really good B-roll shots. I mean, it's not it's not a movie because it's a tech review. But the kinds yeah. of cameras, the kinds of equipment that they have access to now. It's impressive starting, stuff, yeah. No, it's like, it's like a cinema camera a lot of these guys are, like, having yeah. access to. Yeah. So, I think you're going to see a blending of the two. And I want to take the best of if possible, both, and apply it to the kind of stories I want to tell. Mm. Right. I guess That's editing a has idea. a place in that in that future too then, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, because it's like, you know, ultimately you need good editing, you need good actors, you, like all these things. It's almost like YouTube is built. I see what you're saying though. YouTube is building. It's, it's almost like building itself to replace 
uh, the more legacy forms or whatever of, you know, movies or um, TV shows, right? Because it's now now the production value of YouTube, at least for a certain a large enough subset of channels, is basically matching um, traditional yeah. forms of media look or even at, surpassing. Look at Mr. Beast's new video about the the where he like is chased by these people. It's like a movie. I mean, the mm. guy. It honestly, it. I was watching. I was like so impressed. It's like this is incredible. He's got drone shots overhead. He's got a boat chase scene. Like. He's got like entire like movie scenes in the thing. He's got a car chase. I mean, it, these are all things you'd see in a movie and it's like, oh, he's just on YouTube now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, definitely. It's exciting. Definitely. It is. See, I would love to just have access to like all the th- all these toys to play with, to just like see what kind of crazy cool thing I could make, you know? Yeah. Well, in a way, though, you what I've discovered from making videos, at least the ones I've been making lately, is that we actually have if you have a camera, like a decent camera and decent editing software, you can make a lot of like really cool things that that's true are awesome with just not a huge amount of equipment or like even 100 percent lighting and stuff. You're held. And you're, yeah. Yeah. That's like the YouTube purist to me is like someone who's just basically trying to do a lot with a little or sometimes just like, you know, trying to do something in a, in a different way than other people are, whether it's through lighting their room. Like you see this a lot with YouTubers. The basic thing they'll do is like they'll light their room differently, but it's a nice little touch. It's like, you know, they're trying to add their own spin to it, their own spice to it. That kind of stuff is, is yep. good. No, totally agree. I mean, I do think it's interesting watching the push towards quality for YouTubers. And then there's also this feeling of nostalgia for old YouTube, like back when it was like, you know, 360 P whatever. I don't know if people just have rosy glasses about that or Or maybe there really is something. There is something. It's authenticity. It's the the authenticity. Yeah. Well, what sucks though is like, if I get a super nice set and a super nice camera, it doesn't make me any less authentic, but it feels less authentic, which is weird. Why? Why is that? Because we have this perception from conditioning that like, oh, this nice camera equals Hollywood or corporate or professional, uh, you know? And we yeah, have because like I'm the I same guy that nice I was when I was like, but like I don't would, I don't think would, it's a nice camera thing. Yeah, because I, I, I think it's it's the fact that it shows that you're a completely self-aware channel in the sense that this is the this you're you just kind of said it in your own words your room is a set right it's yeah it's a show a set. yeah it's a show. right right it's a show and there's nothing right. wrong with having a show and there's many benefits and whatever but it is like a level different than this is just my room that i live in and, right. even, and i'll admit my room this uh, backdrop is something in between because all of this is somewhat specifically arranged it's a little bit functional but it's mostly for um, my camera, like my webcam or whatever, if, if I put my camera here or something, different angles of my camera basically is what this is set up for. So even this, and like, you'll see this a lot with YouTubers too, right? Where maybe they won't have a green screen, but like the trope is the, the gaming YouTuber who just has like piles and piles of games or the movie reviewer yeah. where yeah, it's like yeah, the yeah. ultimate nerd room. Right, and yeah. that's just a trope at this point. Um, but that's well, like, the no, same it, idea. it's very interesting. You can like sort of fake it too, right? Like I've heard, I don't know if this is true. I think it's true though. Uh, Philly D used to shoot in his, like in a house and in his like house or whatever. And he shot in that room and he moved to a studio, 
but he kept the room the same. So he had to like build a bedroom yep. in a studio, yep. yeah. which is like yeah, a funny I've way of like, yeah. you're so a set, but you're like faking That's a so bedroom. Weird. He recognizes so weird the value me. of being like that friend talking to you about the news. Hey, yeah, guys, but it, there's an element of real fakeness it. to it. It's a real fake thing. It is. I mean, yes. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's that that makes than him your fake. Set. It's faker than your set. Whoa. Wow. Wait a second. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. I, I got you. I got, I got. I, <laughs> no, but no, I mean, I, I think both are the same. I, th- I think both are the same. No, I think that the same. Like a set and a fake set that's pretending to be a room. Same thing. They're yeah, kind of. of but you're it's not pretending to be a room. Perception. Yours is a show. Yours is a show. Right. It's not trying to I'm be a room. I'm just pretending that's, to that's be the ten difference. million dollar studio. Right. Sure. Yeah. And it's actually yeah. more relatable. Because exactly. it's kind of obvious that it's fake, and it, it's sort of like, oh, well, this guy's like me. He's pretending he's he a has $10 million, dollars, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a fun thing. Whereas, like, with Philly D, it's like, oh, this guy's pretending he's like me, right? When he's clearly let's not. Let's just jump into it. Okay, guys? Hey, guys, let's just ju- What's up? Sup? Sup? Sup, guys? Sup? Let's try to mess up, man. Masters. I turned myself into a pickle, and 9-11 was an inside job. Was it? Who cares, Maury? Global acts of terrorism happen every day. Uh, uh, uh. Wow. You knew it by the episode. I can tell you guys are very deep and you read a lot of books. No, I'm just kidding. Um, honestly, we just, I think it's just, it's just kind of like a simple name that's combining Glink and Slush, obviously. I but know. Yeah. It's also just like uh, made to represent sort of the congealment of everything. The return to childlike sense of wonder and yeah. imagination. It that actually represents oneness. Of. Psychoanalyst Glink taking a yeah. taking us down memory lane here. Nice. Yeah, let's just hope I don't end up on a coffee Zilla video one day. I think Kino will though. <laughs> I think he'll end up on Philip DeFranco. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, maybe. Oh, Kino. No, you guys Hopefully aren't showing up, man. You guys aren't showing up on Coffee Zilla well, unless it's a guest spot, unless it's a fun spot. Okay, that'd be sick. We can unless talk you decide about, to commit uh, fraud or something. We would. Do- We've never seen that. <laughs> Anyways, guys, if you want to make money, Gush has uh, just opened a brand the, new course. Check the links below for Gush. To well. uh, guys, courses. don't do any of that. Go to CoffeeZilla, subscribe. Get off of this channel. What are we doing oh, here? Oh, okay. Here comes Come the Come to CoffeeZilla right okay, now. Follow too. me on Twitter at coffeebreak underscore uh, YT. What do you tweet you could, about? What do you, you, you kind of just do random tweets. Random. I don't have a theme. No. I need a theme. I notice other people have themes. I need you to don't be need like, a theme, dude. You, you want to be like Oki and adopt the theme? Dude, Oki's You could be the white samurai. Oki is the black samurai. You could be the white samurai. By the way, I'm not white. I need to put this in record because everyone thinks I'm white. I'm Cuban. Oh, really? that makes sense. You, you do respect, look Cuban, actually. Respect the game, yeah, okay? well, no one's going to believe that. You do that. look Cuban. You do look Cuban. <laughs> I'm actually half Cuban, half German. That's the technical breakdown. Dude, you're literally so destiny. Conqueror <laughs> is in my destiny. Your destiny. <laughs> he's destiny. That's what I just... He's like Holy the same thing. Holy shit. We're talking Dude, your destiny? destiny's brother. Oh, wait, what? Are you just him on his off time? Oh, so the, you the, 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 you're talking about the streamer destiny? No, I have realized that at some point. Dude, I think you are literally I think destiny. He, I, I think he's short. I'm short too. I'm like one Joe this Rogan tall. I think he's one this Joe Rogan crazy. tall. I I this think uh, we do have a lot of like. Yeah, he's half Cuban. So I when think, you, this is nuts. Why are you gonna when be did destiny you realize you were the same person? How does that work? What? When do you switch? Like when do you become destiny and when do you go back to being Steven? You're yeah. effing wrong, man. Uh, minimum wage doesn't work that way. I don't know. What is I coffee the on. trigger? Like when you drink a cup of coffee, it's Steven mode. 
Dude, your guys' names know. are both Steven. Your names are both fucking Steven. <laughs> Holy shit, they're the same person. We've been talking to Destiny this whole fucking time. Dude. Dude, you just put that together for me. This Gleam's like, like squeezed the heart out. This His is like mind is destroyed, Blaine dude. Shit. That was are crazier than David Blaine's latest stunt on are YouTube. Are we actually the same person? Like we're per, we're doing the prestige right now. Yeah, that's what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I was yeah. thinking that when I was looking at your webcam. I'm like, this is the is prestige. Is Destiny streaming right oh, now? Dude. No, he's not. Yeah, I just Guess pull why. up the green screen and crazy. then I'm coffee's a lot. And then sorry, what did I say? I'm stupid. Don't don't listen to that. <laughs> I go to my ten million dollar studio. <clears throat> and then uh, I put it down and I play video games all day. Wow. And uh, this is you know, nuts. argue with people. Yeah, hey, you we have both a fake do debates too. Bedroom, we, we both do debates. You must be exhausted by the end of the day. <laughs> Oh, it's a long—it's a long road. Like it's a long oh, road. Man. Yeah, that's really funny. Dude, yeah, you're amazing crazy. at StarCraft, though. Right. I've always I'm admired that about you. You're amazing. Oh, yeah, at, see, he doesn't even know because his personalities are so disconnected that it's like I'm yeah. split. What is I have Starcraft? multiple personality disorder. Yes, yeah. I'm partly destiny. The no, it's streamer. not even multiple. It's not a disorder for you. You're like making it work. You got two successful. <laughs> He's got multiple personality disorder. Well, actually, he's making it work. <laughs> it's and it's working. It's like it's like a eureka moment in uh, psychology. Is he is he Cuban too? Yeah, he is actually Cuban. I think he's half Cuban as well. Like, are you from Nebraska as well too? No, that would even yes, that's you are. What? That's crazy. Sorry, it's, it, it's funny because sometimes me and Sam have parallels. That's like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, oh, you're the version of me that that's from Canada. You know, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I feel like y'all are a lot alike, actually. Y'all have a lot in common. So I'm thinking me, you, and Destiny, and Slush have a group podcast, because we're, like, basically twins on both sides. How are, you, how are we going to get them to be both people at the same time, though? You're right. You're going to have to pre-record the other. You're yeah. going to have to pre-record the other Can you just anticipate too. everything that will be yeah. said? That's true. Yeah, yeah you could do I that, can. right? You're pretty yeah. analytical okay. guy. All right, perfect. Of course. We got it. Of course. Yeah. Okay, well, you actually, got a busy doesn't day he play piano too? He actually what? plays piano too! <laughs> he actually plays piano too! Dude! What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, you're, a, you're doppelganger this whole time, has been that's another famous crazy. personality. That's crazy. Yeah, that's weird, huh? What's up with that? Maybe the, this, is, this is getting to something. There, there's wow, only dude. so many types of people in the world, and we're just witnessing the overlap right here. Yeah. How do I... Dude. Are you Is trying to find out more about yourself? I'm trying to... Am I trying to find a what? More information about yourself? No. I was trying to hook it up so I could play you guys a song. To Ooh. But uh, I can't do it right now. What's up? You have to do a stream Sorry. as Destiny soon, right? Uh, yeah, I'll do my stream. You should play Destiny. us your outro song. All right, pick up, smell Take, the coffee. Yeah, yeah, please, please. Um, I don't have it. I don't have it. I can't. <laughs> oh, we'll right wait. Now. We'll wait. I can't. Oh, okay. We'll wait for you to switch to Destiny mode. Don't worry. Destiny. <laughs> Destiny arrives, guys. Destiny arrives. I can't. All right, we could end the recording. Let's end the recording real time. Cool, guys. Wait, are you?